This is the Young Farmers Podcast. I'm Lindsay Lusher-Shoot. Last year, Colorado's new governor, Jared Polis, did something pretty weird. Rather than pick from a select list of well-connected cabinet appointees, he decided to hire his 19 cabinet members through an open application process. Hundreds applied for the posts, including my friend and the former Western Program Director for the Young Farmers Coalition, Kate Greenberg. Kate, given her years of work with Western farmers and ranchers, and her bold vision for how to help future generations of farmers, was chosen. When the governor called me for a reference check, I told him that I couldn't imagine anyone better for the job. Kate started her position as Colorado's Commissioner of Agriculture in January. She is the first woman in the post and, by all accounts, the youngest. Today, we catch up on her work in this new role. Hi, this is Selwyn Justice of Justice Brothers Ranch in beautiful Waddell, Arizona, where we grow citrus and raise beef cattle. I'm a member of the National Young Farmers Coalition because young and beginning farmers need every chance they can get to create a more sustainable future for farming. For just $35 a year, you can join too. In addition to being part of a bright and just future for agriculture in the United States, you'll also get discounts like 40% off Filson and 25% off Farm to Feet Socks. To join, go to youngfarmers.org. Again, that's youngfarmers.org. Okay, so Kate, should I call you Commissioner Greenberg? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Thanks for asking. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, uh, number yeah. one question. When are you coming back to the National Young Farmers Coalition? Um, Just kidding. <laughs> maybe in eight years. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> well, we miss you, but um, are obviously so excited um, about your move to the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Um, so let's talk about how you got that job. So Governor Polis actually had an had an application process uh, for Commissioner of Agriculture, and you applied. Why did Why did he take that approach? And you know, what difference has it made? Do you think? You know, I'm not sure what what sort of drove the governor to to do that approach, but it was an incredibly robust process that the governor did go through to hire his entire cabinet. Um, he took applications to build his transition teams for each cabinet position and then release applications for um, anyone to apply to all of the appointed positions and the transition teams reviewed over 700 applications for approximately 19 appointed positions in the state. Um, and then we moved through an interview process with the transition team. And then um, those of us who moved on, moved on to an interview process with the governor and his chief of staff. You know, there were reference checks and lots of phone calls being made uh, to kind of vet us all out. Um, for me, you know, with with NYFC, we were with Jennifer and our Western team. We were thinking about, you know, who from our membership could we like put in front of the transition team mm-hmm. or encourage to apply and make sure that Young Farmers Coalition members know that this is a great opportunity to put their names in the hat. Um, and at some point in that process, I sort of just decided to put my name in the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess like the, you know, the difference it made was that it, it, it was an open invitation to anyone who wanted to serve in this role or thought they could bring something to agriculture in Colorado. It was, um, really, I think, opened up a lot of people's imaginations about what, um, where we could serve. 
Absolutely. And Kate, you know, you um, are the first Kate in a long lines, uh, long line of Dons, Johns, Toms, men in this role. Does gender play out in the department? And what about in the field? Yeah, I'd say um, where it plays out most is in the field. Mm. I mean, for one, I am a woman. So wherever I go, I am my gender, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, it's the thing, right? People um, comment about it all the time. There have been ways where my gender has been the sort of leading factor in a room rather than sort of my ideas or background or participation. It's also on the flip side, it's been amazing connecting with young women, actually women of all ages, um, who are who, who love agriculture, who are excited about the future, who are, you know, trying to understand what leadership roles are available to them and, and where they can sort of fit in this universe of ag. And so I'd say, you know, being a woman in this role and being the first woman commissioner, it brings all of all of the elements with it. There's a lot of focus on it. I try not to focus on it too much, except for when it means opening up more opportunities for women and girls in leadership in ag. And what is the breakdown of gender at the Department of Agriculture overall? There's 300 employees. Yeah, we have almost 300. There's a lot of women here. A large number of our staff are women. What's the one thing that you'd really like to change about the Department of Agriculture itself? Like, what do you, what do you think um, can be done better? Well, I, I mean, that's a big question because there's so much that the department that we do here, you know, I'm just a couple months in. Um, so some of the answers to that question, I think, will come with time. Right now, I'm kind of trying to get a baseline, like where are we starting? Because I'm not, I don't think we're starting in the red necessarily, like of all the things we have to change. But there's things that I want to make sure that we do have here. If, you know, internally speaking, I want the department to be a place where um, people want to come to work, um, where they feel valued and their work, the outcomes of their work is clear and the impact of their work is clear and that we build teams um, that are greater than the sum of their parts. Um, I think externally, there's a lot of opportunity for the department to keep building on our leadership. So I'm excited about building coalitions and partnerships and thinking through creative ideas that help keep family farms and ranches alive and keep farmers and ranchers on the land. Um, there's a lot of work that we already do in conservation, in um, beginning farmers. We're starting to do more of that, of course, with ag workforce development that NYFC helped lead. So we've kind of got the seeds of a lot of, of sort of the visionary side, the leadership side that has been planted, those seeds have been planted over the years, and I'm excited to really extract them, grow them out, um, connect with other partners, and also enable our staff of almost 300 to, to help drive those goals forward in whatever way that might look. I mean, you know, we have under the department, the state vet and the, our animal health division, and so we have um, a network of rural and urban, but a lot of rural veterinarians. We do animal disease um, control and mitigation. Um, there's all kinds of fascinating um, work that we're doing on on tracking disease and preventing disease through excellent relationships and coordination and also technology. So, you know, just thinking about how we like create, you know, create and foster an environment that is exciting and fun and um, we do excellent work and we do it in a way that um, supports a 
thriving staff and a thriving culture and um, really sort of cultivates that air of public service and that commitment to public service. So Colorado is facing the effects of climate change in a big way with this ongoing drought. How is the department working on climate change to build resilience for uh, farmers impacted by drought, by fires, um, by water, water issues generally, and then consumers that might be totally unaware um, of these immense challenges because of, you know, of course, what consumers are doing relates um, to how farmers are, are faring as well. I mean, no matter where you are in the state, um, farmers and ranchers are feeling the impacts of a changing climate in whatever way that that manifests. I mean, last week we had the bomb cyclone come through, you know, and we get the, we it runs the gamut. Last year was bone dry and we had huge hot wildfires. This year we have record snowpack and are anticipating a, an incredible um, runoff season an irrigation season, but that could bring with it mud flows from our burn scars. You know, that's of course in the high country on the plains, um, in the Eastern plains, there's a lot of dry land um, agriculture out there that re- depends on precipitation. And the more variable that gets, the harder it is to plan. And of course, farmers and ranchers are always up against uh, one thing or another, um, but climate is here. And um, the way I've been starting to focus on it with the department is I really see farmers and ranchers at the helm on solutions. There's so many pressures. I mean, you mentioned drought, right? Which NYFC has worked on for a long time. I think water is sort of, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road in so much of this out here in Colorado. And we've seen it even outside of climate. We've seen it just with our interstate compacts and our obligations downstream you know, Colorado is a headwater state, so all of our surrounding states depend on us to deliver water, um, and we are obligated to do so, but now we are obligated to do so under drying conditions over time. Even though you get years like this, um, over time, the trend is is toward a, a drier climate. Um, so we've got to start figuring out how to do more with less, and historically, that answer to that question has come down on ag. Where is most of the water? It's in ag. So how do we get that water? Well, we buy up farms or we buy up water rights from ag and we move that water to where the population centers are, which is what we call buy and dry. And that's, that. I mean, that's really changing. There's a clear commitment from the state through our state water plan to avoid buy and dry. And you're seeing that more through urban populations and water, you know, water utilities and um, conservancy districts who are focusing on how do we how do we actually help keep ag alive through more creative uh, agreements or processes that allow us to share water better. I think where I'm excited for the department to work is making sure that farmers and ranchers are at the helm of those conversations and leading them and not in the wings waiting for whatever it is to come down on ag. And I know a lot of producers realize that too, is like whether it's climate or drought or just our crazy population growth in Colorado, um, how can we get out ahead of that? You know, and I think conservation is one way to do it. There's, um, there's so many innovative things, even with um, payment for ecosystem services and looking at stacked benefits of soil health and how you, you know, actually increase yield and production by investing in the health of your soil, which has other ancillary benefits like water conservation and water quality improvements and 
carbon sequestration and wildlife habitat that can actually be, you know, a source of, of bottom line support for farmers and ranchers. So there's a, I think, a really strong economic argument for, um, for all of this as well. And I'm excited to see, you know, where we uh, put ag front and center in driving that forward. And then you mentioned consumers too, which I don't want to forget that question. So I think this is a key part of it because consumers are kind of where the money and the votes are. And we have a lot of great programs at the department already. The um, Colorado Proud is, is 20 years old this year, which celebrates Colorado brands and, um, and food and, and goods. Um, and there's a lot that we can do to build on that and to, to not only connect sort of emotionally with consumers, but really say, like our ag lands and our ag communities are essential to our urban life in Colorado and to our way of life here and to like urban eating and how we consume. And um, even if you don't farm or aren't connected to a farmer, like knowing that you have that relationship is is absolutely essential. Kate, you've talked um, a lot about your interest in, in working with the next generation of farmers in Colorado and we know that land access is one of the significant, and if not the greatest challenge that they face. During your time as commissioner, are you hoping to work on land access and land affordability? And how might you take that on? Yes, next generation farmers and ranchers is one of our top three goals for the department. So right now, the ways we're doing that, um, we, like I mentioned, we have the Ag Workforce Development Program that um, NYFC and a lot of our partners helped pass uh, last year, 2018. This is the first year of administering grants for that program that they provide a cost share um, to uh, ag interns to work on ag agricultural businesses. Um, so it's really sort of an apprenticeship program that the state is helping fund. Um, we also offer succession planning support, which is something that we're trying to ramp up and really start advertising it's not just next generation, it's how do we keep this current generation whole and actually keep those those family lands in agriculture that are being passed down. There are so many ways I think we can we can grow that. I think with land access specifically being the number one um, barrier that young farmers face, there are so many groups like Young Farmers Coalition that are um, that are working on this through the legislature, which I think is an important um, vehicle for the land access question. Um, you know, we're limited as a regulatory agency in terms of what we could do on that front. But I think where, where we can play a role is really partnering with folks across the state on, on this question of land access and affordability and making sure that we are also protecting agricultural lands for working farmers and ranchers, especially like I mentioned with that nexus with water. And as we you know, come under this new water environment that we're in of just like more people, less water, more demand, less supply. There's a lot of that sort of inherent connection that's coming up to folks of like, wow, if we actually keep going on the same path we're on, we're not going to have ag land in Colorado anymore in, you know, maybe a, even a couple decades. Because of, because of the trend of buy and dry. Yeah, because of the trend of buy and dry, you know, and we've committed to, to a different route, but we haven't scaled that yet. Like we really, you know, I think Colorado, we have such an opportunity opportunity to really in, like commit ourselves to agriculture in the state. Um, and ag is the second largest economic driver in the state. We're over forty billion dollars statewide. Yet, you know, we're I don't think we have sort of that 
name recognition um, in the state of Colorado, where it's like, yes, it is key that no matter what we do, no matter what we decide on water, that ag must be at the forefront and that we care about, like we are committed to preserving agriculture in the state of Colorado. And, you know, to do that and to keep future generations of farmers and ranchers on the land, we've got to make sure we've got land and water to do it, um, that farmers have affordable pathways um, into agriculture, that we have strong ag education, that we're investing in conservation, farmer-led conservation, um, to keep farms resilient to weather, you know, ups and downs, like we are, we get every season and every year, and to really connect with sort of the the conservation values of consumers, right? To say like, this is one reason why we are so essential. Not only do we grow your food, which should be essential enough, but like we're part of this larger ecosystem and ecology that helps um, keep clean water flowing to cities. You know that we have these incredible leaders as part of Young Farmers Coalition all across the country. And I think a few of them would like to follow in your footsteps, at least a few. Um, I'm wondering what advice you have for them. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that was always your advice to me, Lindsay. Uh, I was like, um, so I'm out here in the West trying to grow NYSC. What do I do? And you're like, just go do it. <laughs> and I just think that's the best advice. And surround yourself by people who love you and um, believe in you. And I have to say, like, Young Farmers Coalition is a launch pad for so many incredible leaders already, just like within the first 10 years of being in existence. My advice is surround yourself by those people who want to see you thrive and who are excited about your potential and also just don't wait till you're ready because you'll never be ready. Yeah. <laughs> so just just right. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Um, and the workforce development program, is that available now? Just so listeners know, if if you want to hire an intern on your farm, I mean, it's, it's just incredible, this whole idea of you being so critical to getting that bill passed um, in Colorado last year and now helping to implement it in the state. Is the program already up and running or is that, is that something to come soon? We, we just closed the application process um, last month, and we had uh, our team here in the markets division that's overseeing the program put together a stakeholder group to um, run through all the applications and then make the final acceptance letters, you know, basically accept the final candidates for, um, for the program. So, you know, this is the first year, so we'll, we're moving through it, and definitely there are some, you know, things we'll need to work out and just to make it a smooth program. So next year, we hope to have, you know, keep this going and have a lot of interest. We had over 60, I think over 63 applicants, you know, we only had about $47,000 appropriated to the program. Um, we had uh, about five times that in interest. Um, so there's clearly a lot of interest. And, uh, you know, I'm here to do what we can to keep meeting that demand. And so those are far those are individual farmers who want to train the next generation on their farm. Yep, exactly. And they're committed to that education. So of course the interns will be working, um, like putting in sweat equity into the job, but they will have um, mentors in in the folks who are hiring them. The goal is for it to be a you know broad education in a short amount of time. 
um, but enough to get an intern's feet wet and hopefully um, set them on the path of building a career in ag. Kate, thank you so much. Commissioner, excuse me. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Um, And um, yeah, hopefully we will talk soon off the air. (laughs) Commissioner Greenberg, Kate. Thank you for being on the Young Farmers Podcast. We are cheering you on and so proud of your work. We will link to Kate's new Instagram and articles about her accomplishments in today's show notes. If you haven't already, please rate and review the Young Farmers Podcast. This is how people find us. And we really do love your feedback. We read every comment. This show was produced by Jessica Manley. It was edited by Hannah Beal and recorded at Radio Kingston. See you next week.